Okay, it's great. Isn't it great to be together? Honestly, there's just such a lovely sense of God moving and speaking this morning. And um, it's a real privilege to bring God's word today. And my prayer, as I said with the team earlier today, my prayer is not that you would think my words are clever or smart or funny, although hopefully you won't fall asleep. But my aim today is to help you understand a little bit more of the love of God and a little bit more of the freedom that Christ brings and the freedom that knowing Christ can bring into our lives. I was praying earlier this week and God led me to the verse that I'm going to share with you in a little while. And it was so clear. And all through this morning, in lots of different ways, the team didn't know uh, what I was going to be speaking on. But I really feel like God's prepared the ground this morning for our hearts to receive from him. Because, you know, he is a good God and he knows you by name and he absolutely loves you. And you are not here by accident or coincidence. I really believe that God has got a divine appointment with us this morning to say, look, I want to give you some truth about who you are and about who I am that will make a difference in your life. That will transform your heart, that will change your thinking, that will lead you to know him more. Are you up for that this morning? Good, because that's what we're going to do. So I want to ask you a question to start with. I don't know if you've um, ever had this happen to you. I've got a couple of nieces, one of whom can speak. And sometimes she does this to me, or maybe a colleague or a friend or a spouse or someone. They'll kind of wander up to you with maybe a little bit of curiosity in their eyes. And they might ask you something like, what you got? Now, often it's little children, but it, it could be someone else. And, and usually it's because you're holding something they would like, or you have access to something that they would quite like. Last weekend, I had some friends visiting, and they've got an 18-month-old little girl. And it was really hot, and I had fake Cornettos in the freezer. Uh, so I said to them, would anybody like a fake Cornetto? And they were like, yes, we'd quite like a fake Cornetto. Um, and so I got the Cornettos out, and everybody started to eat them. And then the little girl was like, mummy, mummy, ice cream, ice cream. And so my friend was sort of looking at her daughter and looking at Cornetto and thinking, Oh, I really want to eat this myself. <laughs> but she was like, okay, you have a little lick. So, so uh, the little girl, Annie, has a little lick. And then she was like, mummy, mummy, ice cream. Well, before long, my friend had to generously share the fake Cornetto with her daughter. And in fact, ended up giving the very best portion to her daughter. You know, the chocolatey bit right at the end in the wafer, you know it. <laughs> And let's just say little Annie was more than blessed as she chomped her way through the chocolatey bits. But I want to ask each of us a question this morning. And it is that question. What you got? Now, proper grammatists around us would know that that's not the full sentence. But that's often the heart of a child. What you got? What you got? And the reality is God, as a generous parent, gives us the best portion. When we come to the father and we say, what you got? He said, I got all this and it's all yours. He pours into our lives the fullness of all that he is and all that he has. And as people, we're so often good at focusing on what we don't have, that we miss out enjoying what we do have. We can be good at bringing our needs to God and saying, we need this. Can you move? Can you do? 
But we forget the blessing and the abundance that we already possess through faith in Jesus. I believe that God wants us to live an emboldened life in him. Fully appreciating all that he's given us. Fully living in all that he's given us that we may live boldly for him. Not scrubbling around for the scraps of what we can get, but fully embracing the generosity of our good, good father. So as I was preparing, God led me to this verse that is packed full of the things that God has given us. So what you got? Well, to understand what we got, let's first just take a moment to think about what we don't got. Okay. (laughs) 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Let me read that again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's not, you don't got that. But one of power, love, and sound judgment. You've not got a spirit of fear. What does a spirit of fear mean? For many of us, these are really familiar words. I don't know that I've ever preached on these before, but the truth is we all have legitimate and sometimes irrational fears in life. Some of the common ones are spiders, heights, flying, death, snakes, injections. You know, these are phobias, fears that maybe because of a traumatic experience or more often than not are completely irrational and just the fear of what if. And the reality is that some fear is good. It's a survival tool. You know, if you see a car coming towards you and you are crossing the street, you want to get out of the way. That's a good fear. But living in fear is not good for us. I have an irrational fear of snakes. In fact, so irrational that I was going to put a picture up on the screen to illustrate it, but I was too scared. So (laughs) um, I have never been attacked by a snake I've never really met very many, to be honest. But growing up, my mum was afraid of snakes, and so therefore I'm now afraid of snakes. And last weekend, we were at Ashen Farm with my friends, and we walked into the reptile place. And I was like, I am going to be brave. I am going to be brave. There were giant snakes in these cases of glass. I'm like, I am going to be brave. And we walked in, and it wasn't that big a room. And as I walked in, honestly, there were these two teenage lads out of the glass with snakes in their hands. I was like, uh, I sort of like, my friends know that I'm not a big fan of snakes. And they were like, here, back away, back away, back away. I was like, I'll just keep an eye out for the tractor ride. Because I really didn't want their little daughter to pick up on my fear. And I stood out there and I thought, you know what? I've never even met a snake. Non-venomous snakes what can they do to you? Why are you so afraid? But then thankfully the tractor came and I didn't have to go back in. So we all have some of those kind of things, but I don't think this is really what this scripture is about. It's about a spirit of fear. It's about a mindset of living in fear that is not good for us. It's a kind of residing sense of limitation that works to bring us down. You know, fear constricts, it limits, it narrows, it pens us in. And instead of living in freedom, we live in fear. Self-protective, not embracing all that God has for us. Do any of these sound familiar? And I'm not going to get you to put your hands up because God knows. Fear of what people will think. 
Fear that we're somehow not good enough. Fear that people will find out that we're not what we seem. Fear of rejection or insignificance. Fear that we'll fail. Fear that no one will like us. Fear that our lives won't make a difference. And this underlying mindset, this inner dialogue that often takes place is the exact opposite of what God wants for our lives. He calls us to courage and peace, both of which are found in him. And throughout the Bible, one of the main commands of God to his people is what? Do not fear. You read all throughout scripture, God initiates, God turns up, God speaks. They're facing a challenge, there's a situation, there's a circumstance. And time after time after time, God says, do not fear. In fact, we sung this morning about not being afraid. But how do we do that? How do we not fear? You see, God understands our human heart and realizes that often our response will be one of fear. So he says, don't be afraid because I'm with you. Don't be dismayed because I'm your God. I'm right there with you. There is nothing that you can face. There is nothing that can come against you. There is no internal dialogue that is greater than my love for you and greater than my power at work in your life. He wants us to know that with him and because of him, we need not fear. You know, a spirit of fear is a way of living and thinking that boxes us in and causes us to respond in ways that are limiting and difficult. In dangerous situations, it can be a lifesaver when fear kicks in, but as a daily mindset, it's a killer. And we respond in two ways, and we fight or flight. We're kind of hardwired that those are two of our responses. When you know someone's coming at you with a hammer, probably flight is a good response in that moment. But living every day with that mindset of fear is a killer in our lives. Have you ever come across people who respond, often in the most seemingly kind of innocuous and normal situations, they might respond aggressively, they're often annoyed, easily upset, frustrated, unteachable, self-protective. Maybe have you ever been like that? It could be that underneath there's a fear that's been given too much space and time. Or perhaps those who always respond negatively, putting themselves down, backing down, running away, not willing to get involved, doubting themselves, giving up easily. Maybe again, for some of you here, that's how you feel. And perhaps there's a fear that may not be recognized that's been pushing the buttons. And fear in this negative sense is not who God is or what he wants for our lives. His desire is to help us in this, to bring us greater freedom so that we live emboldened to be and to do, to be in right relationship with him and to act out that relationship in faith and obedience. So I want to tell you a true story. Now, many of you know me in the room, but some of you don't. So let me just explain. I'm quite an extrovert. I have in my time been known to be pied in the face Uh, dance in front of many people with really bad dance moves. I have, in my time, been known to try and get sweets out of custard in a bowl without my hands. So I'm not afraid of looking silly or making a joke. I'm not afraid of people seeing me. I'm not afraid of being up in front of people. But over the last few years, I've been battling with fear. And I I had begun to have this spirit of fear, this mindset of fear, about walking into a room full of people that I didn't know. And in my role as a pastor, that often happens. And 
In my role as the leader of the prayer movement for Elim, that is increasingly happening. At the start of the year, I had the privilege of going to a meeting in Parliament, and I had the privilege of going to a meeting at the Archbishop's Palace, and I was absolutely terrified. And I remember being on the train to London, thinking, God, I can't do this. I am so scared. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? What if I fall over? What if no one speaks to me? What if I embarrass myself? What if I get lost? And all of these things. And I had worked myself up into such a sense of fear. It would happen when we would have pastor's breakfast. Some people I would know, some people I wouldn't. I would walk into the room and I would be like, God, I don't know what to do with myself. I feel really self-conscious. And I realized that I'm an extrovert and that's not how God's wired me. It's not because I'm an introvert and perhaps that's something to overcome. And so whilst I've been on sabbatical, I've been really praying about this. I mean, God, I don't want to be limited or live with a spirit of fear in this in my life. So show me why and show me how to overcome this. Because I know this is not from you and this is not what you want for my life. I remember writing in my journal, God, I used to be so bold in my 20s. What happens? God, make me bold again. And so then God is very gracious and he began to show me some words that have been spoken over my life that I had let into my thinking that was causing me to be fearful. And I invited the healing of God. I said, God, you need to heal that hurt. You need to get rid of the roots of that. This is not how you want me to live. And so very graciously, that's what he's been doing in my life. And then I began to stop speaking that over my life. I would say to people, oh, I can't do this. I'm really afraid to go into that room. That's really scary. And so I decided that I was going to break agreement with those lies and say, actually, that's not the truth. That's not who God's made me. That's not who I am. And so I broke agreement with those lies that I had been reinforcing by speaking them out over my life over the last few years. I said, God, you've given me these opportunities. You've called me into these places and spaces. I have not looked for any of this. So God, I trust that you've got whatever you need in me to get me into those places and to say the things I need to say, hear the things I need to hear. And slowly but surely, God has been breaking off that spirit of fear. And one of the most amazing things about God is that you pray for boldness and then he gives you lots of opportunities to go be bold. (laughs) And so the three months of my sabbatical, There were some moments where I was with people that I knew, but there were lots of moments I had to walk into rooms full of strangers. Sometimes who didn't speak the same language as me. Uh, Sometimes who kind of thought I was really cute because I had a British accent. Uh, Sometimes who were like, "Who, who is she? Why is she here? But over and over again, every time that I've stepped out into that place of fear and said, I will not be afraid, God. God has met me in that moment. And there was one particular thing, I'm being really honest with you today, church, because I want you to understand that we all struggle with these things. But what God has done in my life, he can do in yours. He can set you free from that spirit of fear. Uh, One of the things that um, I had become more and more nervous around was sharing my faith, which is ridiculous. I was an itinerant evangelist for six years. My literal job was telling people about Jesus. But because I spend so much time with you lovely Christian people, ah. I'd kind of got a little bit out of the habit and lost a bit of confidence. And so one of the things that happened when I was in Kansas City on a course there was that they said, right, we're going to do prophetic evangelism. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, okay, so they did the training. 
I thought, oh no, we're going to hang out in a park. We're going to look for people and see if anybody wants, you know, prayer or anything. No, we're going to go door to door. Okay, great, marvelous. So we get to the end of the week. It's the Friday. I am feeling physically sick at this point at the thought of knocking on some random American's door and going, hi, God, don't you want you know? And, uh, and so they set us off. They took us to this area. They gave us our kind of like briefing. Don't be weird. Just be normal on the doors. Offer to pray for people, all that. Um, and I ended up partnering with this lovely older gentleman from Kentucky called Terry, who was like my, you know, substitute granddad for the week. And um, he was like, right, come on then. I won't try his accent. Um, and so we, we knocked on this door. And I was like, Terry, I feel really scared. And he's like, me too. I was like, okay. And we knocked on this door and this gentleman answered the door and we offered, we explained who we were and we offered to pray with him. And he was like, yeah, I'd love you to pray with me. Well, first of all, I was really shocked that anyone would say yes. But anyway, where's my faith? So we prayed with him. We talked to him about Jesus. We left him with some booklets about Jesus and we walked away. And as soon as we walked away, all that fear just went. I was like, God, I've been believing a lie. (laughs) Why have I been so afraid of this? I'm all right at talking to people. (laughs) I love Jesus and I want everyone to know him. Why have I built this up into such a fear? Because this spirit of fear had had room in my thinking for far too long. And God says he has not given us a spirit of fear. How would your life look different if you weren't afraid Oh, that's a big question, isn't it? Should I ask that again? How would your life look different if you weren't afraid? It might be a specific thing that you're afraid of, or it might be a general underlying sense of some of those things that I've already said. Let's give fear no more room to move, but embrace and welcome all we've got. Fear squeezes us into its mold. And rather than being shaped by the power of the spirit and living our purpose in him, just like a jelly mold, we take on the shape of fear. But God says, instead, you have a spirit that comes from God who brings power, love, and sound judgment. What have you got? You've got the spirit of power and love and sound judgment at work in your life when you've said yes to Jesus. To live boldly, not giving fear any space. So the first thing I want us to think about then is what have we got? What you got? What you got? Power. Okay, work with me, people. (laughs) What you got? Oh, it's almost like you almost maybe perhaps might believe it one day. What you got? Power. Power. Don't ask me. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you from his word. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. says you don't have the spirit of fear, but instead, the phrasing of it means, but instead, the spirit of God that brings power. God, by his Holy Spirit, brings power into our lives. The power to believe in him in the first place. The power to overcome. The power to live for him. The power to say no to temptation. The power to grow and act in faith. You know, fear doesn't originate with God. It comes from the enemy and life in a fallen world. And I don't want to minimize those who have mental health challenges and somehow say that you can think yourself out of it. But I want every one of us to realize what we've got in God to help us as we live. He has given every disciple of Jesus access to the Holy Spirit, to the power of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in us. So there's nowhere we can go and nothing we can face and nothing that can happen to us where God is not present. 
with his power. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that encourage you that when you get one of those moments and your thought is, oh, I'm really afraid that God is there with you to go, you don't need to fear. I'm with you. You don't need to fear. I've got you. You don't need to fear. I love you. He is more powerful than any fear, any concern, any need, anything that may set itself up against God in our lives. In so many descriptions of who the Holy Spirit is and what he can do with our lives, even how Jesus described him and told the disciples to wait, the word power is attached. And the root of this word is dunamis, you know, dynamite. It's that enabling, emboldening and empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives to give us power, to give us divine energy. I would like some more of that, please. To give us capacity to do the ability to be in right relationship, to live daily walking with God, to be strengthened by him. Look at what you got instead of what you don't got. Can you imagine if our mindset and our approach to life every morning began with the truth that God's power is at work in my life? That I wake up in the morning and you know I'm not a morning person. Anyone who's ever been camping will know this. But you wake up in the morning and your first reality is God is with me with his power and his love and his sound judgment. And we'll get to that in a few moments time. The same power that literally created the universe, the same power that breathes life into humanity, the same power that brings healing, the same power that stops storms, the same power that resurrects the dead, the same power is in us. It's amazing what you've got. You've got that power. What if those are the words we spoke over our lives every morning in gratitude? That greater is he, the one who is in us, than he that is in the world. We see it in 1 John 4 and verse 4. A reminder of the victory we have in him. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. What have we got to fear when God is with us, living in us, giving us access to his power and his love and his wisdom? What is the worst that could happen? And even if the worst happens in the here and now, we live with eternity as a reward and a promise. Paul said to live is Christ, to die is gain. Yes, we wait on his timing and yes, we trust in his goodness and his plans. But in those times of waiting, let's not veer back into fear but confident trust in his power. William MacDonald said these words, unlimited strength is at our disposal. Have you ever tried to move like a heavy box? Oh, sometimes I have weak days. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I just can't move this. Can you imagine having unlimited power to physically move anything in the world? But God is saying, even greater than that, you have unlimited strength to face anything in this world. Unlimited strength is at our disposal. Through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, the believer can serve valiantly, another word for bravely or courageously, endure patiently, suffer triumphantly, and if need be, die gloriously. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. You know, Paul is writing these words from prison. The reality is that he's living out some of those truths, that he is having to endure patiently and suffer triumphantly for his faith. We don't necessarily have that same reality in our world here as they do in the persecuted church. 
And so Paul is writing these words from prison to his protege, his son in the faith, Timothy. And the context of these words is that Paul is trying to encourage Timothy, trying to embolden him again to rekindle God's gift in his life. He's saying, don't shy away. Don't be timid. Don't hold back. Rekindle what God has already put in your life and live boldly sharing your faith. So when we think about the power of God at work in us by his spirit, what area of your life is God speaking into today? It'll be different for me. It'll be different probably to the person sat next to you. Where do you need to rekindle what God has spoken and given into your life? It's like seeing a power source and wanting to have the light on and having access to the power source, having the plug in your hand and saying, oh, I haven't got any light. (laughs) When all you have to do is plug in. And I believe that for some of you today, God's saying to you, plug in. Don't live disconnected from me. Don't live one Sunday to another and never talk to me in between. Plug in because what you got, you got my power. What you got, you've also got his love. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And this love of God is not founded on emotion, because sometimes we love people, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we love chocolate, sometimes we... No. (laughs) We always love chocolate. But human love can be fickle. God's love is not like that. It is what's called agape, unconditional unselfish, sacrificial, always present. That is God's love towards us. This is the love that took Jesus willingly to the cross to pay for our sins and reveal the love of the Father to us. It is a divine love that never changes. Isn't that amazing that we can't do anything to make God stop loving us? It's incredible. As we receive God's love in abundance, we can love God. We can love ourselves. We can love others. God is love. Fear doesn't originate with him. He is a good father who only has good gifts to give to his children. Isn't that amazing? And his love is persistent. Oh, it's relentless. It's steadfast. I loved what Mark said earlier that Whether you want him to love you or not, he loves you. In fact, I'd written that in my notes. I love how God's weaving these things together. That God is love and he gives his love to us. Whether you feel it, whether you feel like you deserve it, or whether you even want it, God loves you. You know, fear breeds when we live with what ifs in our mind. What if this? What if that? But love counteracts the what ifs. I love these words in 1 John 4, 18. In love, there is no room for fear. It just hasn't got any room. I love it. But perfect love drives out fear because fear implies punishment. You know, when we live knowing how loved we are by God, we operate less and less from a place of fear and more and more from a place of confident trust in God. It's not that suddenly we have perfect behavior or wonderful choices all the time or a perfect life, but when love is received, it is perfected in us. So when we come before God, we have no fear of rejection. No fear of punishment, no fear of any circumstance of life because his love is a firm foundation. 
His love draws us close. His love forgives us. His love frees us. His love accepts us. His love chose us in the first place. His love keeps us. And there is nothing that can separate us from his love. You know the famous words from Romans chapter 8, from verse 35 onwards. I just want to read verse 38 and 39. For I am persuaded... I wonder if we're persuaded today. I wonder if we're confident of this truth. That neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The worst thing would be an eternity without God. That's the absolute worst thing. But because of the absolute faithfulness and persistence of God's love for us, we have no fear of that if we've said yes to following Jesus. As we choose Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are promised eternity with him forever. (laughs) Nothing can separate us from God's love. I just want that truth to just really sink in deep to our thinking today. Because I think sometimes when it comes to fear, we think, well, if we'll just be more this, more that. I actually think the key is receiving more of God's love. That as we realize who he is and who we are in him and what he can do, that the things which seem so fearful to us suddenly find their proper place. And when they stack up against God, they're nothing. God is motivated wholly by love towards us. And love is a choice. He chose to love us. And we have a choice in how we respond to that love. Now, maybe today it's a reminder of how loved you are by God, how valued and treasured you are by him. And maybe there's a challenge to think, well, how often do I tell God back that I love him? How often do I respond to that love? How often am I aware of it? Romans 5, 5 tells us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. In other words, there's this sense of being continually pouring out upon us and within us the love of God through the Holy Spirit at work in us. And as we let go of fear, we embrace his love. And as we embrace his love, we can let go of fear. It's a both and. It's not a one or the other. Maybe you'll start with saying, okay, God, I want to let go of that fear and embrace your love. Maybe you'll start with saying, God, I need to embrace more of your love. And as you do, you'll realize that those things that were fearful to you are now not so fearful. If we wait until we feel totally secure and unafraid, we will wait a long time. This is not to say that we won't ever feel fear, or that we won't feel afraid, or we won't have those moments of nervousness. But it's saying that we can live in such a way that that fear doesn't control us, that fear doesn't limit us. That fear doesn't stop us from receiving all God has for us and living out all God has for us. I wonder if for some of you today, you need to speak out some good words over your life. Maybe you need to go home and say these words out loud. Father God, you love me. I've got your love and it will never run out. We sang it this morning. It will never fail me. God, I've got your love. You love me like no one else loves me. 
Maybe today you need to forgive yourself of some things. And like me, break agreement with any lies you've believed about yourself. Any of those fears, I'm not this, I'm not that. God never says that to us. Never says that. He never shames us or guilts us. There are times when we feel convicted by something that leads to more freedom. You know, God has given us his spirit of love and power and sound judgment. What you got? What you got? You've got love, you've got power, and you've got... Oh, you're almost with me. I know. It's warm in here, folks. Trust me, it's hotter up here than it is down there. Sound judgment. Some other translations say self-discipline, self-control, sound mind. But essentially, that we have access to the wisdom of God in our thinking. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever wondered what to do about something? You can ask God and he'll show you. He'll tell you. He'll help you. Isn't that amazing? Okay, just me. You know, fear exaggerates things, doesn't it? If you look at something through the lens of fear, it exaggerates it. It magnifies it. It somehow makes it bigger than we think it is. When we operate out of fear, we can find it hard to think, to process, to reason. It all becomes magnified in our thinking and we can make unwise decisions when we feel pressured or afraid. God's like, I don't want you to live like that because I've given you access to all my wisdom so you can have sound judgment or self-control or a sound mind. Not living in fear of what will happen if, but accessing the Holy Spirit who is described as the one who guides us into all the truth. That's so cool. Who is described as a wise counselor. In God, we've got the ability to have sound judgment. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. This is what we already have in God. In the book of James, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask for it, and God's going to give it to you. In Romans 12, verse 2, very famous words say this. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. In other words, if you want to know how to live and what to do, let your mind be transformed daily as it's renewed. His spirit transforms our way of thinking and he renews it daily. And how does he do this? Well, as we pray and we read his word. And it sounds so basic and I kind of feel like sometimes I say that a lot. Well, if we would pray and read his word, but trust me, if we would pray and read his word, we would live so differently we would keep growing in a way that perhaps we would long for. And where do we find truth? In Jesus and in his word. You know, sometimes the internal record player for certain generations, or maybe the internal CD for others, or tape cassette, MP3, latest download, the internal tune in our thinking doesn't always tell us the whole truth about our identity or about a situation because it gets clouded with fear and doubt and worry. But God, by his spirit, the spirit of truth, Jesus calls him, wants to transform the way we think and give us more and more the mind of Christ. Imagine what it would be like to respond to things as Jesus did, to have that same way of thinking and processing. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with our thinking, to renew it daily, to help us hear God's voice more. Jesus said that he's a good shepherd and we're his sheep and we can know his voice. Isn't that wonderful that we can actually know God speaking to us? 
to help us make good choices, to help us understand the Bible, to help us take on his revelation and wisdom and insight and understanding. Proverbs 2 verse 6 says this, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It also tells us that the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. And I think for some of us, sometimes we read that, that sentence and we think, oh, we're supposed to be afraid then. And I'm really confused. Sarah's just spent the last however many minutes telling us that we're not to be afraid. But the fear of the Lord is a good type of fear. It is awesome reverence at the power and presence of God, that nothing is impossible for him, that nothing is too difficult for him. You know, God is not like a mate who gives us good advice. He is the creator of the universe that you and I have access to, and he wants to share his wisdom with us. I can't believe that he would even want to do that, but he does. He wants to give us understanding. It's like the greatest professor or expert in every field in the world saying, I'm on hand anytime you need help. The greatest counselor you could ever meet. I'm on hand anytime you need to talk. But better than that, he also sees how our stories weaves into his great stories and is able to see ahead and know what is best for us. So when we come to him for sound judgment, for wisdom, for help, Not only has he got all of the things that we need, but he also knows us. And he knows our future and he knows what he's put within us. He knows how we're wired and he only wants what's good for us. So I want to ask the question, how is your mind being transformed by God? You are influenced and impacted by what you allow into your thinking and your mind. And you have complete control over that. If you only watch, listen, read, engage with negative messages around you, then you'll take those words on. You know, as a child, an adult can say something which seems innocent, but it kind of plants a seed in their thinking. So for example, when I was in school, most of my reports said, if only Sarah would concentrate more, she would do so much better. And the truth is, if Sarah did concentrate more, she probably would have done a lot better. But if I don't allow God to renew that sentence that was written or spoken over my life, then I'll become really driven and striving, thinking I've always got to do better. I've always got to concentrate. I've always got to try and make things happen. Whereas actually, as God renews your thinking, he goes, whether you get it right or not, I still love you. (laughs) Yes, of course, I want you to grow because I'm a good father and I want the best for you. But it isn't based in fear. It's based in love. Can you see how thoughts and ways of thinking can shape us God wants to reshape and reform and renew us, and he does that in our thinking. If you measure the amount of time you spend reading or listening to the Bible, as opposed to listening to the other messages around us in the world, however you do that, gaming, TV, whatever, it doesn't take a genius to say that whatever you give most thinking space to will shape you. So what you got? You got God and all his fullness You've got the Holy Spirit working in you with his power and his love and his wisdom. We don't have to strive. We've got God with us and within us. Give God the time and space to speak his truth and grace into your life, to lead and guide you in all wisdom. There's a great old hymn. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. God is right there with us every moment of every day. When fear rears its ugly head, 
When uncertainty comes in because something's happened and you're not quite sure. When you know you need to step out, but you feel really afraid and you're not quite sure how you're going to do it. God is with us. He is as close as turned attention. And prayer is simply communicating with God, giving us access to his power and his love and his wisdom. Imagine how emboldened we would live. Imagine how much bolder we would be with the opportunities God gives us as we access his wisdom, power, and love. And today my prayer is that we would be released from any sense of a spirit of fear that hangs over any of us and emboldened, made bold, made courageous, made braver by God's power, love, and a sound mind so that we can live for him in the places and the spaces that he's called us to.